Hello, my podcast listeners. Thank you for joining me today. You're listening to the In Search of God's Instructions podcast. I'm your host, Shirley Vinson, and every week I invite you to join me for support and encouragement on your journey to a deeper understanding of the spiritual way that God wants His children to live. We are all in the spiritual walk of life together, but no matter the storms you face, if you search for His instructions, He will bring you through. Hello, let us begin with the prayer. Thank you, Father, for bringing us together once again to study your word and take a look at what you require of us in these last days as we are trying to prepare ourselves for the return of Yeshua, our Messiah, to set up his everlasting kingdom for the millennial reign. I, for one, would like to be a part of that kingdom. And I know that you have told us in these last days that we are to prepare ourselves. We are to study your word. We are to seek guidance and understanding. And as we do, you will open our minds and our hearts to understanding regarding these last days that we are living in. So that we may be wise to make wise choices and choose life as opposed to choosing eternity separated from you. Please be with us as we study, guide our feet along your path of knowledge, bless us with understanding and discernment, have mercy on our souls, and forgive us of the sins we have committed against you this day, yesterday, and tomorrow. Be with us in all things and be patient on our souls. After all, we are but dust formed at your hands. These things we ask and pray for in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and our Savior. This podcast does not condone anti-Semitism, anti-Catholicism, racism, or any evil against other people for the faith that they have chosen to walk in. Please keep that in mind as we study the scriptures and try to connect the dots regarding the times that we're living in today. Today, instead of picking up the book of Ezekiel, I have decided that I should give you some more information about myself. How is it that I came to walk this path of seeking truth according to the instructions of Yah? I am 60 years old. will soon be 61 years old. During the time period of my childhood, I remember going through the Jim Crow laws in the South, how they impacted my life and the lives of my parents. And I remember how sheltered my life used to be growing up in a racist society in a small town in the South. I was sexually abused as a child. I was physically abused as a child. I made wicked choices as I grew older and could fight for myself. And those choices led to a bad marriage. In the midst of that bad marriage, I was physically abused like my mother was physically abused. I was emotionally abused. And for me, life came to a point where 
I had to turn it over to God. And the physical, emotional, and economic abuse began in my marriage. I realized that I needed to make a decision to stay in the marriage or to leave it. But by then, I had children to take care of. If I would have left the marriage, I was still young enough where I would eventually get involved with someone else. If by getting involved with somebody else, my breaking point was going to be, I come home one day and find that person or learn that that person was sexually abusing my children or physically abusing my children, that was going to be my killing moment. Either I was going to die or that person was going to die because I had promised myself that I would never knowingly put my children in a position to be sexually or physically abused by anybody. And as bad as my marriage was, my spouse was not sexually or physically abusing my children. And so when my children got old enough that they could take care of themselves, the last one moved out of the house and went off to college, that was when I made the decision to leave the marriage. And even though I was much older, by then I had invited God into my life. I had started trying to live my life according to his instructions. I wasn't perfect at it, but God hung in there with me and I had determined within myself that I didn't want to live in a world where I was going from one relationship to another relationship, hoping for things to change because I first needed to be able to change me. And I also sought professional counseling at that time. And my professional counselor even said to me, before you get into another relationship, I suggest you take the time to get to know you, who you are, because I never learned who I was. I didn't know myself or who I could be before getting married. And therefore, the domino effect. A person who's been abused has a tendency to abuse and to get involved with an abuser. And I had to learn how to break that cycle. And that is when God showed me that he is after healing the brokenness of a person. And people get broken in lots of ways. I was broken spiritually. I was broken economically. I was broken physically. And I was broken mentally. And only the power of God was able to heal my brokenness. My relationship with my children during all of those years weren't perfect. There was a lot that I missed out on because I didn't know how to communicate with them. Through all of my brokenness, I didn't know how to really communicate with them other than loving them through their toddler years. And as they became teens, it wasn't that our relationship became distant. Now they're old enough to take care of themselves because that's what my parents had taught me. You're a teenager now. It's time for you to move out. You can take care of yourself. I didn't want them moving out as teens, but I gave them the latitude and the distance and the freedom to make decisions for themselves and take care of themselves. And I have to say that I did pray a lot because as I tried to get closer to them, to know things about them, you know, during their teenage years, 
they don't want you knowing things about their private lives in a lot of ways. But they did know that they could come to me in times of trouble, and they always did. And for that, I was truly grateful to God that they knew that they could turn to me no matter what was going on in their life. During a time of fear and trouble, they always ran to me. And for that, I was very, very grateful. So when they grew up and they left home, I felt that I was strong enough now to turn to the brokenness of the marriage and deal with it. One of the things that I came to realize as I grew older was a broken heart brings a lot of trauma to the people that experience it and have to live through it. I came from a family that from all outside appearances seemed well put together. And when you experience something like that as a child, as you grow older, you have a tendency to repress those memories. You try to get through life the best way you can. You try not to let the things in life become a part of you to the point that they alter you mentally. Abuse was a part of the families of almost every family that I knew. Abuse is not something that a child can just put out of their mind and never think about it and think that it will never hurt them again. They don't grow up trusting other people. For the most part, they grow up and they repress the feelings and the memories and they pretend that life is okay. Until something happens in their life, it may trigger those memories and it impacts the lives of other people in their lives. And that is the kind of life that I have led for the most part up until the time that God put his hands on me. I remember lots of nights crying myself to sleep because of some traumatic event. When you grow up with the mentality like that, you have a tendency to carry it into your adult life and beyond if you don't get help for it. And of course, most of us as black people in this country don't receive help for the wicked and horrible things we experienced as children. We learn to cope with them. They follow us into our adulthood and into our relationships with other people, whether it's through our marriage or whether it's through uh, raising our children, whether it's through our behaviors as far as the way we communicate with people outside of our inner circle. One of the ways of getting help initially started out with praying to God. However, I was getting no answers from God. And as time went on, I started doing things, acting out, and doing things that was causing harm to other people. Until one day, the Spirit spoke to me and said to me, You don't have to do what you are doing. Just because someone did a horrible, wicked, evil thing to you does not mean it is all right for you to do it to someone else. And when that voice said those words to me, of course, it wasn't an audible voice. It was the type of voice as if someone is speaking to your mind. And at first, I didn't recognize the voice. All I could think of was all of the memories of abuse came flashing back. It is true. I don't have to carry on this abuse. 
I can choose to end it by my own behavior, regardless of what somebody else does. I can choose to end it. And I made a choice right then to end it, to not carry on and perpetrate on someone else what had been done to me. And it was at that moment that I realized perhaps this is the reason why I'm not getting answers from God to overcome repressive emotions and anger and sorrow, heartache and pain from the things that had happened to me in my very young, tender age. Things that I had no power to fight back against. I had no power to do anything about it. And when I think of that today, I say all of this because you may have realized from a lot of my podcasts that I have a tendency to really be passionate about laws that are passed in our country that seem to support the evil and not support the righteous, the right thing to do to keep evil from happening. When I see these things and when I read about these things, I find myself at times really not just getting angry, but sometimes some things that I read about bring me to tears. And I have to go to God in prayer about it because if I don't go to God in prayer about it, I have a tendency to fall asleep at night and wake up sometimes in the middle of the night with that particular issue on my mind. I wake up in the mornings, I have my coffee, and I start scrolling through some of the news events that I find on my my phone. And I was reading in the past week or so. In this past week, one of the latest was, Good Samaritans Stop a Man Raping a 60-Year-Old Woman in Public. This was through the Fox News Channel. It happened in New Orleans. Then, ABC News, a father kills his two sons and abducted his two daughters. He was eventually caught. There was no news on what prompted him to murder his two young sons. I believe one was like 11 years old, and I can't recall the age of the other. I think the other one was like six or something like that. Then another article I read from the Texas Monthly Newspaper. In this article, we have this man. The name is Lydell Grant. Apparently, Mr. Grant had been accused of a crime that he said he did not commit. He spent seven years in prison for this crime. And although he had taken a DNA test, the evidence eventually came back and showed that he was indeed innocent of this murder he had been accused of. He eventually started fighting for himself to get released from prison for a crime that he had not committed. He eventually was released on bond of $100,000. However, he was not exonerated of the crime. So even though he was no longer behind bars, however, he doesn't have the means to be able to take care of himself. He can't take care of himself whenever he goes to apply for a job because his prison record is still open and he's still being accused of being a murderer and so therefore nobody will hire him so that he can earn a basic living to even be able to feed himself and provide for shelter over his head. 
Then we also have an 11-year-old girl who took her own life. She committed suicide because she had been molested by a man who the judge ended up releasing on bail. And when this man got released on bail, it terrified her and she killed herself. This took place in Australia. When I read about these things, it reminds me that truly we are living in the time where the Word of God tells us that lawlessness will abound. When we think of lawlessness, we think of human beings committing crimes on each other. Some people feel that they're justified when they take somebody else's life, when they rape somebody. Other people feel that they're not justified. The law should hold them accountable. But we've gotten to the point in these days that we're living in where, as we can see in the case of Mr. Lydell Grant, he served seven years behind prison bars for a crime that he didn't commit because if you go out and you do some research and you read this article, what you will discover is that they eventually found the murderer and the murderer, he had moved to Atlanta by that time, he eventually confessed to killing the person that Mr. Lydell had been accused of. However, the judges still refused to remove his sentence and they would only release him on a $100,000 bond. He's still bound, not in physical chains, but now he's bound in economic chains. It's also discussed in the article that some of these very judges granted complete innocence to another man, Morton White, who had been accused of murdering his wife. And he was able to come up with DNA evidence that said that he did not commit the crime. They released him, but they would not release Mr. Lydell. When you consider that they can release one person whose DNA evidence came back and showed that this person did not commit this crime, yet they refused to release another person who has not only DNA evidence, but also has somebody who has confessed to the crime. And without a doubt, it was shown that this person actually did the crime. But yet, Mr. Grant is still in bonds economically. He still has a prison record accusing him of a crime that he did not commit. The only difference between these two people, according to what is written in the article, Mr. Grant is black, Mr. Morton is white. Mr. Morton received monetary compensation and a lifetime of reduced cost in health care for the time that he spent in prison unjustly for a crime that he did not commit. Whereas Mr. Lydell spends years behind bars for a crime he did not commit, but they refuse to expunge his record. He walks away and he gets no compensation at all for the time that he spent in prison for a crime he did not commit. And he gets no reduction in the cost of health care for all that he has gone through. And then you take a look at the 11-year-old child who took her own life because the judges gave bail to a man who it turns out was a known sex offender, and yet he's on the streets. He offends this 11-year-old child who does not have the ability to fight for herself, and he gets bail 
and it terrifies her. The two daughters, you murder your two sons, and you take the two daughters. Do you think the daughters saw or witnessed any part of what their father did to their brothers? Do you think they will ever forget what they saw? Do you think as they grow up and they learn more about the details of what took place, do you think they will ever be able to get past that and never think about it again? Never worry about it again. Never think of themselves as a victim for someone else again. It's all of these things that God tells us that we're not to do. And he tells those in the positions of power in this world to make decisions regarding what is right and what is wrong and hand out just punishments for people who commit heinous crimes against other people that is being completely ignored by the powers to be in this world. And that is why we have what we call, what the Bible labels as lawlessness. Remember, I said to you that there are two types of people in the world. Those who follow the Messiah and those who choose not to follow the Messiah. There are no in-betweens because if you say, I believe in Yeshua or in most of the modern world today, Christian world today, he's referred to as Jesus Christ. If you say that I believe in him, yet you do not follow him and you do not apply the instructions that his father gave, then it doesn't matter that you believe in him because there's only one set of instructions. So how does that apply when it comes to the times that we're in today with all the things that are going on? First, let us take a look at the book of Matthew, chapter 24, beginning at verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be made safe. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Yeshua is saying, before he returns, before the end finally comes, there's going to be great lawlessness. There's going to be many who will hate the people who are trying to live their lives according to the instructions of God. The people walking according to the instructions that he gave us in Torah. Because when you read what is called the New Testament, you will discover, if you take the time to really read this book, from the Gospels all the way to the book of Revelation, it repeats what God gave us in Torah as far as his instructions go. The only difference about what is written in the Gospels or in the New Testament compared to what is written in Torah and the writings of the prophets is the fact that the apostles in the New Testament gave their testimonies of the things that they experienced after Yeshua was staked down. 
And even in their testimonies, they repeat much of what is written in what people label today as the Old Testament. Let us also read in chapter 25 of the book of Matthew, beginning at verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. And afterwards the other virgins came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And it is true, we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know that he says his return is going to be like a thief in the night. So we expect him to come in the night when everybody is asleep. And suddenly we're going to hear a loud trumpet sound, much like was described at the Mount Sinai when our ancestors went into a covenant with God the Father. When it comes to these ten virgins, five were foolish. They took lamps but didn't take oil. Common sense would tell anybody, if you're going to have a lamp at night, you're going to need oil. And then we have the five who took oil in their lamps and they waited. What this is really telling us here is that when the Messiah returns, he's returning for a people who will be his bride. When it comes to a union between a man and a woman, usually you want to walk the rest of your life with this partner who you agree with. You work together. You come into agreement to work together, to have a family, to buy a home to raise your children, to live in a certain particular area of where you want to live together to raise your family. You decide that this is the type of lifestyle you want to live in together as partners and raise your family in and be in one union when it comes to raising your family because your children should never have to look at mom and expect that mom is going to give them different answers to problems in life that dad would give. You don't want your children ever thinking that they can come to one parent and receive what they could not receive of the other, meaning that they'll use that avenue to divide you because that's how Satan works. He divides, he conquers within the family. And so therefore, when the Messiah returns, He's coming back for a bride who is walking in his ways, 
who is in agreement mentally and in the heart to carry out the instructions of God and live a peaceable life here on the earth for the next 1,000 years because it will be a millennial reign time period. He's not coming back for a foreign bride. He's not coming back for a bride that refuses to walk in his way. If you don't want to keep the Sabbath, if you don't want to keep the high holy feast days, if you don't want to obey the commandments, not worshiping idols, honoring your mother and your father, sexual immorality is what you cling to, thievery is what you cling to, lying is what you cling to, all of the sins in the world that guides your flesh, if those are the kind of things that you cling to, you cannot meet the qualifications. You will not meet the qualifications of what he wants in a bride. So therefore, when the time comes and he appears, the door will have already been shut when he appears. And we can cry and moan and say, Oh, Father God, I didn't know. And I didn't believe when they were telling me this and when they were telling me that. And we can beg him all we want to to open the door and let us in so that we can become a part of the kingdom, be a part of his bride, to be his bride. And he will say to us, I tell you, I do not know you. I do not recognize you. And the reason he will say, I don't know you and I don't recognize you is because you have nothing in common with him. You're a foreigner to him. You're someone he hasn't had the opportunity to spend time with and to get to know and make the decision that this individual's heart is after living according to the instructions of my father. And we have that in common. That's the other thing you should keep in mind. Walking in this world is making the decision to become his bride upon his return so that you can enter into the wedding feast. That's why Revelations tells us, And I saw the bride coming down from heaven because God is going to make a new earth, a new world, set up a new kingdom at the end of this millennial reign. And Revelation tells us that, and the bride and the groom will be in the midst of this new earth. When it comes to lawlessness described in Webster Merriam's dictionary, having no laws, not restrained or controlled by law, unruly, disorderly, you do what you want to do based on your own perception of what is right and what is wrong not according to somebody else's perception of what is right and what is wrong. So then, if lawlessness is based on your own perception, following after your own dictates of your heart about what is right and what is wrong, then what is the law? Here, law is defined as a rule of conduct or action established by custom or laid down and enforced by a governing authority. Also, the whole body of such rules, the control brought about by enforcing rules. Also, the revelation of the divine will set forth in the Old Testament of Christian scriptures, the first part of the Jewish scriptures. So what they're saying, in essence, when it comes to the first part, you're talking about Torah. And frankly, 
I was a bit surprised that it basically says here that Torah is the law set forth by the divine. God himself gave those instructions to Moses for Moses to give them to the tribes of Israel at Mount Sinai and the tribes of Israel God chose them to carry these instructions to the entire world so that anybody who want to be a part of this new world that he is going to create that is coming at the end of the millennial reign their way of getting to be a part of it is by following God's instructions that were given in the Torah and that's why this book has been preserved because God's people were never done away with and they will never be done away with even with the small remnant that may survive what we are currently going through that remnant will make it through and those who died in the midst of trying to keep God's instructions he will raise from the dead and we know he can do that because that's what he did with the Messiah and when the Messiah was raised from the dead we also see that many who were righteous dead raised with him and went into the city and appeared to many that's written in the Gospels also all of these things you should consider in these last days that we're living in as you try to make a decision do you want to walk with God and be a part of his eternal kingdom or do you want to eternally be separated from him never having the opportunity again to say father forgive me because I have sinned against you and that is why the word of God tells us he is after binding up the broken hearted such healing can only take place when you take it and put it in the hands of the almighty master healer and because of my experience of putting my traumas into the hand of the almighty master healer i can say without a doubt when i'm reading to you from the scriptures and i'm giving you information about god's character and how god can bring you through this how you can trust in god to lead you down the right path that god always keeps his promises i am telling you this from my own experience i'm not telling you these things because i'm just reading to you from a book what i'm saying to you is my testimony my testimony that i know without a doubt that god is real that he does care that it is not his desire that any of us should ever suffer through and go through the horrible things that we go through in life and especially when we go through them as children it's bad enough going through them as adults is quite another going through them as a child and the reason for that is because as a child it completely changes you all your life you can't ever say that you have ever really had a fair footing in life that you have ever been given a fair chance at anything in life because it's the way your brain deals with the trauma now I'm not saying that people who are older who go through trauma are not affected and terrorized and become broken hearted and traumatized by the things that they go through. Of course, 
they also go through horrible trauma. I'm going to take a look at the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 30, beginning at verse 12. For thus says the Lord God, Your affliction is incurable. Your wound is severe. There is no one to plead your cause, that you may be bound up. You have no healing medicines. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you, for I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. Why do you cry about your affliction? Your sorrow is incurable because of the multitude of your iniquities. Because your sins have increased, I have done these things to you. Therefore, all those who devour you shall be devoured, and all your adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall become plunder, and all who prey upon you I will make a prey. For I will restore health to you, and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion. No one seeks her. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents, and have mercy on his dwelling places. The city shall be built upon its own mound, and the palace shall remain according to its own plan. Then out of them shall proceed thanksgiving, and the voice of those who make merry. I will multiply them, and they shall not diminish. I will also glorify them, and they shall not be small. Their children also shall be as before, and their congregation shall be established before me. And I will punish all who oppressed them, their nobles shall be from among them, and their governor shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me? Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury, a continuing whirlwind. I will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not return until he has done it, and until he has performed the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will consider this. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In these days, when we know that we are living in the last days before Yeshua returns, He's coming back for a bride who is like-minded with Him, who will keep the instructions that our Father God gave to us in the scriptures that we have today. I told you earlier that there are two types of people in the world, those who walk after God and those who choose to walk opposite of God. We have seen that 
lawlessness will abound in these last days. I've given you the definition of lawlessness and I've given you the definition of the law. What does it mean to be keeping the law? When we take a look at these things, we know from Daniel and everything that is happening right now and the book of Revelation that we are at this crossroad in our lives, whether we like it or not, to make a choice. Either we're going to choose to be with God or choose not to be with Him. And the choice is entirely up to you. In the meantime, the things we can expect is that if you are of the brokenhearted, if you have been a victim of abuse, regardless of the form of abuse that you have gone through, only Yeshua, our Messiah, God Himself, can heal us of the wounds that we have suffered. As descendants of African slaves in this country, the majority of black people in this country who are descendants of African slaves have gone through a tremendous amount of trauma and abuse. Whether it has been physical abuse, sexual abuse, religious abuse, financial abuse, educational abuse, you name it, this group of people have suffered through it. But yet there is hope because our Father God has told us through the book of Jeremiah that those who devoured us during these years of our ancestors being in slavery and up unto this day where although the bonds of chains have been taken off, the chains are still there. They're invisible chains. Invisible chains through our economic system, invisible chains in lawlessness towards a fair process when it comes to our judicial system, medical health care systems. This young woman, she felt that something was wrong and the doctors gave her little advice. They didn't take her seriously in her fear of perhaps having breast cancer. And in the end, that is exactly what it proved to be, where she could have probably have gotten treatment much earlier had they been sincerely interested in what was going on with her. What we see here in this country, we're at a time period now where God has said at a certain time period, he would come and he would release us out of this bondage, captivity that we have been going through for centuries because of our failure and our ancestors' failure to honor the covenant that our ancestors made at Mount Sinai. Along with us will come many people of the Gentile nations whose eyes will be open and understanding will be given to them of how this bondage has taken place and has affected the people of God for centuries, even to this day, and until He bring us out of captivity. God is not a respecter of persons. So, regardless whether you're a Gentile or of the tribes of Israel, the fact is, if you have been going through abuse, you want to have this relationship with God, and you know that we are living in the last days, and it's time to make that choice. Are you going to be with God or are you not going to be with God? 
It's time to open our eyes, people, and start realizing that this thing that is happening in our world today, the economy being devastated because of coronavirus, the one world order agenda that has been planned for centuries because this plan didn't take place overnight to become a one world order. And it reminds me of the time that man tried to become a one world order once before. And it was during the Tower of Babel. And it seems like things doesn't change very much. Over centuries, we're right back to where man started all those thousands of years ago to rebel against God as opposed to doing what the Word of God tells us to do. So now we're going through lockdowns. There is a promise that the whole world will be vaccinated with a COVID-19 vaccine. However, there is no guarantee, and it has been stated, that things will ever go back to the way they were as far as freedoms go and as far as the things that are going on in the world. Because a part of this also include the plan to depopulate the earth. And if you don't believe that, you should go out and do some research for yourself. Check out the Georgia Guidestones. Check out any media, any historical information that you can find that will tell you and give you evidence of the fact that, yes, we are going through this threat of coronavirus, COVID-19. Something is definitely taking people's lives as far as COVID-19 goes. The question is, after COVID-19, what will be next? Because something else will come. There will be another next. And we know that because of the book of Revelation. So what can you do? The main thing you can do is search for yourself. Make your decisions based on intelligence, a factual information. Make your decision based on where the Spirit of God leads you. Because at the end of the day, the Messiah returning is going to happen and there's nothing anybody can do to alter or change that fact. At least not anybody here on this earth. That power lies in the hands of our Creator God. When we look at the fact that the system of things in this world is quickly coming to an end, you want to try and make sure that you are on the right side and not on the wrong side. Embrace those and love them who you know have gone through trauma in their lives. Great persecution is coming and as bad as it has been for us, you can expect that it will get worse. Some people will survive it, some people will not survive it. The book of Zechariah tells us that only one-third of all the tribes of Israel from the entire world is going to make it through. So, more than anything, if you know that you are of the tribes of Israel, it's time to start trying to get your life in order to meet our Creator and to meet our Savior, who's soon to return. And if you are of the Gentile nations who want to be a part of God's kingdom and enter into the holy city, then you too need to make 
the decision to get your life in order and walk according to the laws of God and not walk according to the lawlessness of man. I pray that God will be with you. This podcast has been a kind of difficult one for me because I've shared lots of private information about myself because I was compelled to let you know that when a person starts this walk, it helps to have somebody who's been there and have done that and is still doing that to help you along the way. When it comes to being persecuted in this world, you will be looked upon as if something has to be wrong with you to be trying to keep the instructions of God and especially in these times that we're living in when you're being told that you're going to have to make a choice are you going to receive the mark of the beast in order to buy and sell or are you not going to take that mark and making that choice becomes more and more difficult if you have a family that you must also pray for keep informed and teach them all that you learn that God will give to you and as you learn you will help bring them along the way and at the same time be prepared to fight spiritual battles because you will be bombarded with spiritual battles nobody's life in this world is going to be the same the way it was a year ago before all of this began but there's comfort in knowing that soon it will also all come to an end when it comes to an end our father god will reward us with a righteous reward for trying to do our best to live a righteous life may god be with you and bless you and keep you and give you understanding and discernment wisdom and knowledge to make informed choices and righteous choices when it comes to walking in his way. 